What are some of the warning signs that might warn you to consider, do I really want to be involved in this relationship? In today's podcast, we're going to be continuing our list that we started on last podcast about some of these early warning signs and also later warning signs that you may want to consider in your relationship to think, is this a healthy relationship to be in? If you'd like to find out more about how you can find and create fulfilling, healthy relationships, then head over to therelationshipmaze.com, where we have lots of resources. We have free resources and our online uh, relationship course, The Relationship Maze, which will help you find and create a fulfilling relationship. And press subscribe right now. Welcome to today's podcast. And today we're continuing our journey down some of the warning signs about uh, things to consider when you're getting into a relationship. Yeah, I think last week we talked about um, more of the red flags, the sort of very more obvious um, factors or warning signs in relationships. So really um, flags, red flags, where you might want to seriously consider whether you might want to exit the relationship sooner rather than later. Whereas today we're looking at the kind of yellow flags. These might be issues that come up in the relationship that can be significantly problematic, but there might also be issues that you can actually address um, with your partner in the relationship, you know, either through more effective communication or couples therapy or whatever means you, you have at your disposal. So let's look at the first one. The first one that we looked at was uh, having a partner who is very uh, inconsistent in their attention to you or in their commitment to the relationship. So they're doing this kind of ghosting bit where they pop up here and then sometimes they're around, sometimes they're not. There is a sense uh, in this uh, from this partner is that they're not quite there for you. They're doing something that I think you look this up as a uh, as a sort of colloquial term, which is called submarining. Yeah, so submarining, so they submerge for a while, then kind of pop up. And I think actually for most people, this is going to be a red flag mm. early on. I mean, I don't think this is just a yellow flag. Okay, yeah. You know, because this sort of behaviour early on is an indicator for something really to kind of be concerned about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, and it seems to be more and more common. I speak to so many people who basically are online dating and they've even been with somebody for a few weeks, a few months even, and mm-hmm. suddenly the person just disappears for a while mm-hmm. and then pops back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the effect can be really, you know, quite devastating for somebody. And, you know, there can be many different reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly there's things going on with the other person's attachment style. There could be kind of challenges in their life. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think in terms of, you know, having that commitment in your relationship, it's 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 a really, really you know, real red flag. Well, yeah, it's a red, for me, it's more of a yellow flag in a sense because, yeah, it's a sign of a strong ambiguity in the partner. So they might have a foot in the door, but they're not entirely sure yet. Do I really want, want to step into this relationship? Now, this may or may not change. Um, I think where it becomes a red flag is if this goes on for a long period of time. And I don't really know what the cutoff time period is here. But if you're in a relationship, if you've, you know, you've been in a relationship for quite some time already with um, a partner who who does this kind of submarining then I think it's something that needs addressing whereas in the early stages of a relationship it might still be this 
kind of ambivalence that might be there with somebody who's not entirely sure yet whether they can dare to step into a relationship or not. Yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, thinking about, say, you've been dating someone for a while and you've been getting quite close Mm -hmm. and, you know, it it could even be several weeks or a couple of months. And if somebody then just disappears with no contact for three months, I mean, I think for most people that's going to be like a definite no. Sure, sure, sure. But it can leave somebody feeling like, what was it something I did? Was there something wrong with me? Mm. And then feeling, well, this person's back, they seem interested and, and then kind of, you know, I think, sometimes that roller coaster ride produces that sort of you know for some people they they then get involved and too closely involved and it can happen again I mean I think Mm. you know I think when there's a pattern there Mm. it's really just something to watch out for in the future and knowing that Mm. potentially you could get hurt again no I agree with you I think it also depends on the manifestation of this yeah absolutely if you've started to if you're in a relationship early relationship with someone who kind of disappears for a month or so then I'd be a bit concerned about that too I agree yeah, yeah. So let's go into our second one, which um, uh, I put down as sort of holier than thou. So this is kind of again just a yellow flag. Mm. Um, but you know, I saw recently that you know a lot of people now in a dating profile apparently are thinking it would be very appealing to put things about how they've done their own sort of soul searching, they've been for their mm-hmm. therapy, they've sorted themselves out. Uh, and again, you know, sometimes people give this real talk about, you know, how enlightened they are, how kind of developed they are as a person. Mm. And and my question would always be, you know, those people who tend to flog how developed they are, how kind of enlightened they are, they tend to be the ones that I think lack self-awareness. Yes. Yeah, because the people who are more genuinely have done that soul searching and maybe are more enlightened, they don't have to tell everybody <laughs> that they're enlightened or that they're kind of that they've kind of they've done all that work. They just it just comes across. Well, also it means that there is a presentation here of someone who says, I'm a finished product and I'm done, so to speak. Whereas of course we know that you know, we never stop develop developing as human beings. And in particular, I think what's this uh, might uh, it might present as a red flag because it says that there might be a rigidity by this other person and a stance of, well, I am sorted and you are not, which means that they don't engage in a sort of actively dynamic relationship dynamic where both partners take responsibility for uh, their behaviours, for what they put into the relationship, what kind of work they put into the relationship. Now, if you are in a relationship with someone who says, well, I'm already sorted, then they're not likely to do that. And that means uh, that there are challenges here in this relationship. It can't move on, it can't develop, it can't grow. Yeah, and the amount of times I've come across people who either at work or in relationships, the person they're working for or a person in a relationship is constantly saying what a moral person they are. Mm. Uh, but to the other person, they, they experience them being, tr- being treated really badly, mm. completely the opposite. Mm. But it's that need to actually say, you know, what a what a great person they are. Um, it's sometimes, you know, I think, it, it's something to really kind of question and just be aware of as a potential kind of uh, yellow flag or yeah. even red flag. Yeah, yeah. In particular, as I say, it's sort of like, I, I suppose everyone oversells a little bit in the early stages of a relationship and every, we all try to show our best side and want to kind of show how wonderful we are and how amazing. Um, but it's, if this continues, I think if this continues, this sense of or also of rigidity around, well, I'm sorted here, I don't need to do anything anymore, that's when it becomes problematic, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. So okay, should we move well, on to God? Yeah. So yeah, we've got listening here. If you're in a relationship with somebody who uh, you feel never listens to you. Now, I mean, that's obviously that's a very common complaint. I would say that's uh, the number one complaint that I always hear uh, when I work with couples in couples therapy. They both claim that the other doesn't listen. So um, that, of course, is always a big, big issue. And if you find yourself in a relationship where you feel there's no interest from the other part, party, they're not really paying much attention to you, to your concerns, where there's a lack of curiosity or engagement or inquiry, indeed, into what your experiences of the world, then, um, yeah, I think that's a, that is a yellow flag because, you know, again, how are you both growing as two people in a relationship if there is no curiosity or interest? Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of this may also be cultural or how you grow up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I experience this uh, sometimes as a complaint more about sometimes with men. And I don't want to put sort mm -hmm. of a gender bias into this because mm -hmm. I don't think it's always true. And mm -hmm. I think certainly it's not it's not genetic. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, you know, I think maybe in the past, certainly in the UK, where men have not spoken about emotions so much, for example, mm. um, there is that more, more, slightly less being used to how do you explore these things? How do you talk about some of these mm. things? And sometimes mm. that can come across as, you know, not engaging. Yeah, so it's, yeah, exactly, because it's a lack of expression and it's also a lack of Listening, both sides, yeah, of yeah. the communication side. Yeah. yeah, so this can be something, obviously, that can be developed. And I think mm. that that's really important to know that everyone can learn to listen better. Yeah. Uh, and even if you think you listen well, which ties in with our last point, is you might think you're a great listener, but maybe mm. your partner doesn't. You can always develop better listening skills. Yeah. Uh, and that's partly what we do in our course, The Relationship Maze. We've got a whole, uh, a whole module on really mm. how you communicate and how you listen better. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so important to develop a fulfilling relationship. Good. Okay. What what else have we got here? Um, yep. So uh, we have this point about exes. Now, if you're in a relationship or you've just met someone who is constantly putting down all their exes and putting them in a very negative light and complaining about them and saying, "Oh, my partner so and so was really terrible. Oh, what a terrible person," etc. Then again, there is this sort of question of well, what's going on here. Um, is your partner also uh, able to have they got capacity to take some responsibility for what went wrong in previous relationship have they got the, the capacity to reflect on what went on in the relationship and why it might have ended i mean i'd question as well if it's a new relationship and you're going out on your first couple of dates if somebody's talking about their excess in huge <laughs> detail at all it's probably kind of warning sign yeah you know if they're what saying do you make how, of that? What well, do you if, make if, of that? well if they're saying as well how wonderful the last ex was and <laughs> talking about that for half an hour that might also be thinking like why are they always just talking about how great their last ex was um well it's but, a sign of maybe that there's something unfinished yet yeah 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 and uh, they're not able to be fully engaged in interest in you because again mm. our last one about listening mm. is that interest in each other which you know part of that may be talking well for some people about sexes mm. for some people they don't like to it's you know they may not be comfortable doing that and mm. i think that's fine as well 
-hmm. But I think it's that whole thing that you mentioned about blaming. Mm -hmm. And we can get this in terms of if somebody's very hostile towards their exes or other people, if they're kind of quite negative about people in general. Mm -hmm. That could also be that warning sign is there's certain things within them that they're projecting onto other people. Mm -hmm. So that could be, you know, something to really pay attention for. Mm -hmm. uh, again, because we're trying to, you know, most people are trying to put on a good positive impression for the other person at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, they may cover some of this up. And you might spot it with things like, um, how do they treat people around them? Mm -hmm. Like if you're asked to restaurant. You know, I've, I've often I've read some people saying that a good way to get a sense of how somebody really is is see how they treat the people like somebody who's waiting the table mm -hmm. or other people around them. Are they rude to them? Are they kind of aggressive with them? Because mm -hmm. that could show some of their true character as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I think the point here also with the sort of... Um, I think the main point here in terms of this uh, flag here, warning sign, is this the ability to also acknowledge that you have... that some that you have... that you bring unhelpful behaviour into the relationship. And when a relationship is ended, there are usually there are always two people in the relationship. You're a system, couple system. So, you know, what is it that both of you contributed? If there's only ever blaming... Uh, the other person, then there's no learning. And that means that gets brought forward into the new relationship as well. And that's the problem. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the next point is, mm -hmm. well, if you're both at different life stages. Mm -hmm. So this is something that can be really significant. I mean, you might go on to a couple of dates with somebody and you mm -hmm. really like them, mm -hmm. but they're at a different stage in their life. For example, maybe you want to have children but they just totally don't. They just want to go out and party all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, this could be problematic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might like a lot about them and it, it's that kind of weighing up the pros and cons. But, you know, if, if you're not able to kind of match in these values and where you want to be in your relationship at that time, it's probably going to be a recipe for, you know, unhappiness, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think some some disparities might, you know, you might be able to address. But when it comes to, for example, the question of children, that's a really big one. If one of you wants children and the other one doesn't, I'm, I think, you know, there will always be a degree of un, unhappiness, potentially. It doesn't have to be because you can find, you might find a, a resolution. But if you can't find a resolution, then that is really going to be problematic. For both partners, I think, uh, the partner who then might give up on the idea of having a child and might regret that for the rest of their lives, and also the, the partner who then has a child but very reluctantly, kicking and screaming, is being dragged into uh, family life. So I think that is a, a really big one. Yeah, yeah and other, there could be other types of stages or other kind of, um, mm. other sort of different values as well. For mm. example, one person wanted to explore um, the, the relationships with other people as well, a, a more kind of open relationship, whereas one of you wants uh, the monogamous relationship. Yeah. You know, this is also going to be mm. a very challenging situation and uh, ultimately going to be, well, quite unhappy for at least one person. Yes, that's right. Okay, what else have we got on the list? Um, another potential yellow flag. It doesn't have to be a, a warning sign, but it, it should. maybe you should stop and listen and think about what's going on here, is if uh, all your friends, who your trusted friends, basically really, really dislike uh, this new partner that you have or the partner that you have that might have been a longer-term 
partner and really don't want to spend any time with them or are very, very skeptical about this partner or express some very serious reservations about your partner, then there might be something in it. Uh, now, there might, there might not be, but um, I would assume, I mean, I know my friends, um, if they all tell me that, um, you know, you've got to be a bit cautious with this partner that you've just brought home, then I would want to know a bit more about that. What would you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes we do, you know, at the beginning stages of a relationship, we have those rose-coloured lenses on. Mm. So we're just seeing the good points about somebody else. Mm. But our friends don't have those filters. Mm. They see that person as, as they generally would see other people we might introduce them to. Mm. Now, it might be that, of course, that you know, your friends just have totally different interests. And, you know, the person you're having a relationship doesn't have those same interests. And, you know, and that mm. could be just one of those things. Mm. But I think, you know, listen, listen to your friends. And I think particularly if there's more than one friend who's given this feedback, then it's something to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, friends could dislike somebody for multiple reasons, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be that even friends are jealous of you having a partner because mm-hmm. you won't be spending so much time with them. So mm-hmm. there could be other factors. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly in the past, I think there have been times where I wish my friends had given me feedback about a relationship that I was well, in, yeah, just yeah, then, then I could have avoided actually, you know, get it being in a relationship for a period of time, which which wasn't very healthy. No, I completely agree. I wish the same. Yeah, sometimes friends want to, they want to protect you, they want to be kind, and therefore they might not point out their concerns about your new partner. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So what else have we got on the list here? We've got. Um, also, uh, a situation where one partner has got um, quite significant mental health problems. Um, and of course, that could be a range of issues. It could be more severe depression, it could be anxiety, it could be all sorts of things. Um, and if your partner is relying on you as the only source of support, that can be very problematic. Now, of course, when you're in a loving relationship, you want to be emotionally there for your partner. You want to support them as best as you can. But uh, when there are significant mental health issues or let's just say chronic ongoing mental health issues, I think it is really important to also remember that your partner might need another source of help, not just you. Absolutely. I think the the clear thing here is it's not about somebody having mental health problems that's a red flag. It's about mm. them relying on you mm. as their source of support yes. or as their therapist. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, in a relationship, you don't get into a relationship or into a healthy relationship because you're just wanting to support them. But sometimes if we're used to that from our past, like we had to support our parents or we were constantly felt we had to help others, that may somehow cause us to feel that sort of attraction in a relationship because we're used to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a healthy basis for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, an episode of Frasier that we watched a little while ago. So Frasier, the, the, show, um, the show on television about the radio psychiatrist, uh, where he gets involved with somebody else, and it turns out that she's just really just using him as a therapist. <laughs> yes. And again, at some point, you know, he felt quite good and kind of flattered, and it can be boosting for the self-esteem, thinking you're helping this person. You need it. Yeah, yeah. but you need it. But ultimately, it creates this codependency, and it's mm. sort of, um, mm. you know, it can be very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Have yeah. you got time for more, Tom? Yeah, so okay, let's, let's uh, move on to another one. So let's move on to, well, constantly require, requiring reassurance. Mm. Um, again, this can be a sign of uh, the attachment style. So it could be mm. an, well, an, an anxious attachment style. So mm. somebody being uncertain about the relationship and you know, it could manifest in many ways. Mm. Like you know, it could be sort of constantly needing to know do you love me? And, mm. you know, I think there's, there's this challenge, which I've seen with a lot of people, that um, sometimes they haven't been told that when they're younger, mm. like the family hasn't been expressive, but they really need to hear it more. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, I think there's a healthy balance. I think, mm. you know, you need to hear this. I think it's important to hear it as well as experience it in other ways. That's mm. my personal view. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, but if you need to hear it every minute, because, mm. you know, I know people, um, I've experienced people who uh, they, they message their partner literally every 10 minutes and just say, oh, love you, <laughs> or, you know, something along yeah. those lines or some other sort of reassurance. Mm. Um, and, and it's so many times an hour that it can be overwhelming. Now, if both people in a relationship need that... It kind of maybe can work out sometimes. So I well, question how healthy it is. It's not healthy, no. No, but um, but you know, in terms of that constant need for reassurance, mm. it's challenging. Yeah, and uh, it can also it can be a form of control. It can turn almost tip over into a form of coercive control because usually somebody who is coercively controlling is also very insecure and needs that constant. Uh, reassurance that their partner is there for them. So, so it, it, it. I think it's this again. It's a grey area, isn't it? Because um, to some extent, we all need reassurance from our partner, and we all want to be told that we are loved uh, in a consistent way by our partner. But it, when it when it becomes too much, when there's a real sense of it becomes quite suffocating or quite oppressive, I suppose. This sense of like, wow, I you know, you start when you start to feel that. Um, you experience this as a huge burden um, and it becomes overwhelming and becomes quite stressful, then that usually is a sign that something is not quite right here. It's it's too much, too much demand. And it's challenging as well because I think the question is how much is too much? Because as well, somebody who's anxiously avoidant or anxious avoidant may experience even any demands mm -hmm. is too much mm -hmm. and suffocating. Yeah. So there is this challenge in terms of, you know, what is too much? And certainly, like, mm. texting multiple times through the day mm. to have to have that reassurance, I would say, is too much. Yeah. You know, occasionally, when you speak to somebody, you're expressing you love them, I think that, that's, that can... I don't, I don't... You know, personally, wouldn't see any issue in that unless you're having to do that all the time just for that. It's it's a boundary question. It's a personal boundary question. It's when you, it's okay as long as you feel comfortable with it. But when there's a sense of discomfort, then that tells you that something's not quite right. That needs addressing here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's look at another one. So yeah, we're going to talk about one more, which mm. uh, again is in the early stages of dating. And that's when the dating profile significantly differs from what the person is like when you actually meet them. Mm. And, of course, you know, everyone tends to bump up their profile to some extent, or most people would. Mm. Like when you're going for a job, you know, if you haven't got much work experience or you haven't worked in sectors that 
you think are going to be appealing, you know, you might try to kind of portray yourself in the best possible light. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's what we all do to some extent. Mm. Um, but it, when it's completely different, like, you know, now if it's an AI image, mm -hmm. you know, I've heard of people going on dates and they've, you know, the, the other person's enhanced the image oh, with AI or kind of completely changed it. Yeah. Or when you need to have um, a dog in the picture uh, to make yourself, where you, to, to think you're <laughs> going to make yourself attractive, which there is, um, is it dog fishing, dog I think fishing. it's called, <laughs> where this happens. And I, I was reading about somebody who went out with somebody from a dating profile because they like the dog in the picture. So, it, you know, it can work for some people. But yeah. Can, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's this whole, again, this whole question of where it kind of crosses over into deception, doesn't it? So um, there's this, you know, there's a certain element of enhancement, and I'm sure everyone tries to embellish and enhance their, their experiences and their looks as best as they can. But when, it, um, when there's sort of um, lies used, I suppose, and it, uh, big lies, small lies, I don't know where the, where the boundary is, then it's a bit more problematic when stories are being told that are not actually quite true. Or, I mean, this whole question around age, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, I know that lots of people lie um, uh, with their, in their dating profiles about their age and, and basically make themselves younger most of the time. Um, then... You know, okay, well, maybe that's all right. But if that never gets brought up later on, then there's already a sort of deception here in the relationship that um, that generates a bit of mistrust, maybe. So it's a. I'm not quite sure that I can kind of um, quantify this or you know qualify this. Where is the where is the line? Um, it's getting problematic when you are in a relationship when you assume that you're in a relationship with someone who actually might be in some ways quite different and might have concealed quite a lot of factors from you now I think it's okay if that comes out later on if that's discussed if that's owned if that's being confessed so to speak or owned up to but if you find out I don't know a number of years down the line that your partner is in fact um significantly older how would you feel about that yeah so i think you know blatant lying is a complete red flag i mean you might not put your age that's one thing but it's like for example yeah. uh when you see a house being advertised or a flat if you're going to rent a flat mm. and it said you know fully functional or kind of like everything to hand but that means is the room's the size of a bed, there's a sink that mm -hmm. you can reach just by putting your arm out, the cooker, and it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to give it a distorted view. Mm -hmm. You know, or somebody on their dating profile putting lots of interests. Mm -hmm. That really means that they're interested in dating lots of other women at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> it's sort of like rather than lots of interests and yeah. hobbies. Again, that's going to be problematic. So mm -hmm. it's sort of, you know, what what's being said and, you know, mm -hmm. you can't kind of try to get away of it by saying, well, I just put this down and I didn't specify what, mm. if that's still a lie. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, lying about your age is is a lie. Yeah. And that's, you know, be deception later on. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that, you know, if you don't put your age down, that's a different thing. We should not have to. Mm -hmm. It's like when you go for a job interview, you know, you don't put your age in the CV. Yeah, yeah I mean, I yeah. agree. 
shouldn't yeah. be it shouldn't be a factor but for some yeah. people it is a factor yeah but it's also challenging because mm. you know we know with with some people if they're older um, they may not uh, attract people because of that age but actually mm. they they come across and they seem much younger when you meet them so yeah. it, it can also bias people negatively so sure. that is a tricky one no no because there's so much prejudice towards age generally isn't there so yeah. it's complicated but it's again it's this whole question of um, honesty transparency uh, you know how do you want to start this relationship uh, ideally you want to start it being as honest as possible and uh, but honesty is you know again it's a sort of it's a fine line about what you might want to imme- not immediately put on the table um, or you know we all have our shadow sides the parts of us that we of course we don't want to immediately show to this new person in our life and then later on they find out about it. That is a normal part of relationship development, I think. But it's this—it's when it becomes this um, sort of almost a little bit manipulative um, behaviour. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's when it's problematic. Yeah. It's like a year down the line uh, when, when, you know, you say, um, well, I thought you were a barrister. Oh, I meant barista. So anyway, we're going to finish up today's podcast and thanks for listening and uh, tune in next time and we'll speak with you soon. Take care. Until then. Bye. Bye.